with this one, like, don't give up is a bad message for this. Yeah, movie. I was like, this one, people are screaming, <laughs> please give up on this please idea. Give up. Like, go. Yeah. Wait, like, like, I don't understand what the theme of this movie is supposed to be. I don't know either, honestly, because like, am I supposed to walk away thinking maybe I should shoot my shot with my high school crush? Or is it saying yeah. like, only shoot my shot if I'm going to evangelize to somebody? Or is it saying like, God's going to give you somebody in your life that's, I think what he's trying to hint at was like the Carla, whatever her name is. I'm so sorry, the actress that actually did the movie, but the script stunk and we don't know your name. (laughs) Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast, where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Welcome to The Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we are two ex... Christian side huggers. Side huggers. Christian side huggers. <laughs> Christian side huggers. We I did a little... A, I still give a good Christian surprise. side hug every now and then. Yeah? A little side hug? Yeah. Um, every now and then. I felt like that was the standard in youth group days and church days was the side hug and you had to master the art of side hugging. Yeah. For the, for, um, for our non-Christian friends who are listening for, um, our lost friends, um, <laughs> a Christian side hug, uh, is basically like if you're a boy <laughs> and you want to hug a girl, you, you can't, you can't hug front to front. That's no. too sexy. Front to front. You, there's too much no. going on. Too much Way going too on. Much. You've got you've got your parts. She's They've got, got her theirs. Parts. Yeah. Um, but a way to hug is both of you have hips, and that's fine. And you can just hug. You, you can take your arm, put it around. That allows there. hips, but only if they're, you know. Yeah, only one can't hip. Can't be too hippie. Hip. Yeah, yeah, one hip. Can't be you get one. I don't think there's a way for it to be two hips to two hips, but <laughs> you can only have it one hip to one hip. And so what you would do is you take your arm and you would cross over to the opposing shoulder behind the mm-hmm. back yes, and then do a nice little squeeze. Just kind of shoulder, shoulder, little squeeze. Shoulder, yeah. Shoulder. Nothing's like bumping, nothing's touching. Yeah. Like you're at a family reunion. And see, the code, at least in the parts I grew up in, was if you did get a front hug, that was that meant yeah. something. That, that was, was second. That was second base. That was third base <laughs> <laughs> for most. But uh, yeah, there was a. And looking back, I part of it seems like appropriate in some cases. I can see why you would want to do that. I guess, but at the yeah. same time, you're kind of teaching specifically girls that their bodies are supposed to be kind of hidden away from people and like not not to be like seen or engaged with or in, in any form like even grazed upon but <laughs> yeah i think it did two things i think it did that and two it was something that a lot of like incels uh got real good at was the christian side hug yeah yeah it uh it was interesting i think it got magnified in college when I was part of a college a Christian college group because people yeah. took their like purity culture to the max where it was like you can't even talk to girls unless you have like an intention to marry them. <laughs> I mean it was like the the dating 
boundaries were so strict. I remember like it was just very much like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be talking alone with somebody that's a girl or anybody really for any rule like of the opposite. Uh, no alone time. You guys shouldn't like be walking together. That's, you know, a little too much. I I think it always got framed as as a as a boy, as a as a male growing up in this. It was our responsibility to like guard women's hearts they were always saying yes. like that was always a phrase talking was like you need to guard their hearts like don't and the way i always heard it was like i'm so much of a heartthrob all the time everybody wants to be with me so i need to keep this thing cool on my own or people are going to sin and fall from god and I, die. so i remember thinking <laughs> about that and being like because i got like rejected a lot in like middle school and i was like i don't Damn. mean to like throw that out there but like evan did like <laughs> swing and miss a lot and then it was just like we gotta guard these women's hearts and i'm like from who (laughs) you're like mission accomplished (laughs) like i don't feel like i'm doing a great job out here just by i feel like they're doing a good job on their own from me yeah like i think that's what's that they're that's that's what's happening. You here. introduced me into the situation, and things actually get better for them because they <laughs> <Yeah>. feel safe. <laughs> They've got some kind of Norton anti Evan virus security <laughs> software um, set up, and I just I, I cannot get in. Um, but I, yeah, I there, there was definitely that attitude of if you're alone with a girl, like oh, it yeah. better be because you are being married to her that you want yeah to i mean to her, which yeah. like made male and female friendships so odd because like yes it, it, if you had just a boy and a girl that were just dating then or a boy and a girl that were just friends and all of a sudden everybody was like "Ooh, what about them <laughs> yeah everybody gets on your back then it's like so when are you going to propose to her and, and like start your family yeah when are you going to have grandchildren it's like i'm 14 i am a child i'm a child myself there was always pressure of like uh when you start to engage with anybody then you are responsible for their like emotional well-being which yeah there's like elements that are true to that of course like you know i'm not going to say that you should just step on people but at the same time putting this pressure on teens that are just trying to like figure out dating and the world and like just relationships in general it's like i don't you don't need to put this pressure on people like are you ready to marry this person after your first date it's like or just date and maybe it didn't work out and that's like it's fine you know and things people can move on and they're also young so people make mistakes like got some slack a little bit uh, it always felt so high stakes. Um, I know. But every single relationship felt like it was. It felt like it was make or break. Yeah. Every single one. None of them ever felt like. None of them ever felt like they were about having fun. No. Until I left church. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, taken very seriously. Like starting relationship and starting family is like just like one of the most nerve wracking and I don't know what you want to say. Like it's, I just feel like they put so much pressure on those topics that you, it's so easy to psych yourself out. I'm actually, I'm surprised how for as much pressure was put on me, how I wasn't as afraid as days as I, as I probably should have been. Um, I don't know. I luckily I had parents and I, I had a mom that were very pro dating, which that was probably one thing in my upbringing, not to get too into the psychology, but, uh, you know, my church was a little more conservative, but my mom with dating was like, well, I dated two people at once in high school all the time. It was no big deal. We were dating everybody all the time. Like, go crazy. Yeah, She's like, just have fun. I mean, and that was the attitude <clears throat> I had with dating. That's uh, That was a very similar vibe to what I had with my parents was like, no, yeah, just date, figure it out whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I overcomplicated it because I was like, <laughs> no, I have to date with intention. Christ wants me to do this differently. Yeah. I was very much the same. I felt like I put a certain pre- spiritual pressure on myself, even like though my parents were, you know, very Christian <clears throat> and we, they enforced some rules. 
I felt like with dating, I was like, I'm going to turn this up to the max. Like they say I can date anybody. Well, I'm only going to date. I'm going to meet my wife first try. <laughs> We're going to get married. Like <laughs> I'm going to prove them wrong. Yeah. Mom and dad, I'm going to get married at 15. <laughs> I'm going to have oh. three kids by 22. Well, speaking of high school relationships, Jesus fucking couldn't Christ. have a, a perfect segue here. Evan and I watched a, a movie, and I know we've talked about this. Uh, I guess you could say production company. Uh, it's called just Christian movies, and, and I know we've talked about it in the podcast, but this one is very special. Uh, is called Me and You, Us Forever. And Evan, if you could sum up this Christian movie in one sentence, how would you do it? Um, <laughs> guy doesn't listen to friends and stalks woman. <laughs> That's amazing. Perfectly executed. Yeah. Let's, Let me let's say break like this. this movie down. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Go at ahead. the beginning, uh, you get this this guy has two daughters. Um we kind of zoom in on a divorced dad. It's pretty apparent. Yeah. Like right first five minutes, we're alerted that divorced, he's been divorced. Divorced Mr. Sheffield looking dad. Um <laughs> and you know, he didn't want the divorce, but she flaunts her boyfriend in front of him um, all the time. And then he's like, you know who I've been thinking about? My first love. This girl named Mary from high school. And his whole thing is like, if God's loving, why would he make me get a divorce? And so he starts going to yeah. this divorce group. Which if I don't know how these... if. I want to know if that's a real thing people go to. I'm sure there's a divorced Yeah, there has to be. Yeah. help group out there. But man, they treat this one like AA, like they're hidden away in a basement, locked away. There's one woman who's like going through it and oh, she's just like my husband so cheated funny. on me. I like he left me with kids. How do I even go on? She's like thing. on a crisis mode. Like yeah, she's on moment. a crisis and they're like that's interesting. Dave, what about your scenario? Yeah, he's like, I just missed my high school girlfriend. I missed my high school girlfriend. I've been divorced for three fucking whatever years now. <laughs> and so he goes there, and then he starts talking to this girl named Nikki. Or no, not Nikki. Uh, Carla? I don't remember. Some Yeah, bitch. something like that. Some, some lady. <laughs> um, and he's like, did you ever feel like this? Did you ever, like, think about your first love after you got divorced. And she's like, well, yeah. And he, the, this movie is an hour and a half long. And I swear to Christ, <laughs> at least 80 of those minutes is him just telling different people, talking to different people about his high school girlfriend. Yeah. So this what is what's is. bizarre about this movie is I think the premise itself at on a very large scale seems fine. Like someone gets divorced. They kind of remember someone from high school and they want to connect with them again. Like that doesn't seem whatever. That seems okay. I could deal with something like that, but the way this guy goes about it is completely wrong. <laughs> like, so he tell he tells, wrong. he tells her, he tells his secretary at work, that's, he yeah. tells he his best tells buddy at work. his best buddy at work, who is just like Dave. Like he's the most religious out of all of them, I think. And yeah. he's like, God doesn't want you to do this. God doesn't want you going up there. Because what eventually happens is he's like, he looks her up on fucking Craigslist. I don't know, and like <laughs> finds her address. And yeah, this like, movie oh. is 2008, so I can't remember how he does. It's not Facebook. Yeah. He somehow just finds Texas that. Texas was around in 2008. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know um, how he gets all this information, he, but you know, somehow he, he does. He used the internet in the way that 2008 movies thought the internet yeah. 
could be used. <laughs> Let me hack into the library records. You <laughs> <laughs> just pull up the yellow pages. Yeah. And he pulls, he, he finds, he's like, she still lives in upstate New York. I'm going to go visit her. And everybody goes, no, yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't that's weird. Do that. <laughs> Stop acting like that's a good idea. And he continued and just like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. And I think the best part of the movie, because she's married like that, that is kind of, I don't know if that's ever confirmed, but like, it's, it's like fairly confirmed. Yeah. It's like fairly that. confirmed that she, that, so it, it's at least confirmed that she has been married since. I don't think they could suggest on screen that there's a married woman talking with a man in her own house and without the husband. But that's the thing. The whole movie's bananas. Like it's very weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but the the climax of the movie really is he takes the plane and he yeah. is in this hotel room and he calls <laughs> his friend Carla that he's basically been floating with. She likes him. He's basically just getting an emotional high off of talking to her. And he's just like, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive by and scout out her routine for the day. And just to know tomorrow when she's going to be home. Pause there. Because <laughs> Carla, whatever her name is, she's talking to him on the phone and like, Definitely hinting that he shouldn't do it. Like she's going. She calls him a stalker. Like yeah. on the. She's phone. like, it sounds He's... like you're stalking him, and he replies by going, "No, no, no. I have to do it this way. I'm just going to hang out by her house and determine her routine. Not stalk her. Just hang out around her house and determine her and routine." She goes, "Well, why don't you just go and just knock on the door?" And he says, "And I quote, well, yes. what if her husband's home?'" God. Like, if you have to ask, you're probably not doing the right thing. And then he also says on top of that, he's like, I want to be alone with her. Like, he doesn't yeah, just say, like, oh, he, I want to, like, bump into her at public. He's like, I want to be alone with her. I want to be house. alone with her, and I want to talk to her alone. Now, you're probably thinking at this point, okay, so that's the climax. She talks him down. He doesn't do it. You're wrong. Yeah. Because he does do that. He gets a sense of when she's going to be home. And then the next day he goes and he knocks on the door. The woman immediately recognizes him. They talk for what seems like an hour. <laughs> it is it's actually the, the last 20 minutes of the movie. You have to survive. It is the first truly hour. the last 20 minutes of this fucking movie of him just <laughs> of you just waiting for him to ask if she's still married. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. And the one point of how he shows up to her door unannounced from a different state after not seeing her for basically 30 years, the way this woman opens the door and welcomes him into his house, her house, is uncanny. She just, op fly the door flies open. She goes, hi, Dave. N no, like, oh, who are you? Or what are you doing here? I don't know who you are. Like she immediately knows who it is and immediately right through the door, he's able to come into her house. This is how people get murdered. This is exactly yeah. how people get murdered. And they have what we are supposed to believe is a nice conversation. And it doesn't feel like that because it feels like that actress didn't take those notes and was just like, I'm going to respond the way that I think I would respond to some of this. Yeah. In a very like, don't kill me answers kind of way. She seems like she's trying to, it's like she's realized her mistake and it's a fatal one. And she's trying to just get out of the house without causing any waves, basically. But yeah. And so, like, they have this conversation. He apologized because that's the other thing is throughout this, he's just like, I just want to tell her I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being immature. So strange. I'm sorry for, you know, the way that I acted. You know, and his whole hope is that she would, yeah, you know, get back together with him or at the very least leave her husband and start a new life with this guy. Yeah. After this. And she just says, like, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and he was just like, you were the one that got away. And she's like, you blew it, Buster. Um, And then finally they leave. And I should mention this. 
I can't remember who said it. I, I think it was uh, Carla, the woman he was talking to, because she was enabling him in all this. She wasn't saying like, up until the end, she wasn't saying don't go. She was just like, oh, that sounds like an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so they have this big fight in the middle of the movie and she turns around and she's like, well, maybe if she doesn't know the Lord, you can lead her to the Lord. And so at the end of the movie, when he's talking to this woman, Mary, this his whole his old high school flame, he's about to leave. And he goes, I, I was wondering if you know, you know, I just want you to know that I know Jesus and I think that you should know him too. If you don't. And I think he hands her the Bible. I can't remember the one that. Yeah, I think he gives her like a a small little Gideon's Bible or whatever. But it is. And she does what we all do when we're given a Gideon's Bible where we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, he leaves and he just gets back in his shitty car. Gets back in his shitty car on an airplane. And the last scene is him and that other girl in a coffee shop and it fades to black. And then says, based on a true story. Okay, that's what I want to talk about because <laughs> that blew my mind. And it made it it wrapped the whole movie together for me when it said, based on a true story, written, produced, and directed by none other than Dave Cristiano. And then suddenly the 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 dots are connected in my brain. So Dave Cristiano is the founder. And the guy that runs the Christian movies channel on YouTube yeah. that has hundreds of movies. This guy cranks out movies all the time since like 1990 something. He just makes a little silly little movie and they're very Christian. And why I love this guy's films is that they're so earnest and they're so he like there's a sense of hopelessness <laughs> And talentlessness <laughs> and just utter disregard for what makes a movie entertaining sometimes. It's uh the way that he makes movies is if like is if I played in a major league baseball game and I got immediately struck out and I walked back to the bullpen and I was like, you know, I did a good job out there. <laughs> delusional yes <laughs> fully delusional yes it, it's 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 the height of cognitive dissonance and so what makes this so enjoyable for me is that we're watching this man's delusion through yeah. like we're seeing this whole situation through his eyes and his words in the script and i think my theory is this is not how any of this went down at all like no. What happened is he worked a job and he definitely had a, a buddy at work and he definitely attended a divorce group at a church. I think all those things are true. And I think he had some lady that I don't think one, the lady he talked with all the time was this attractive. <laughs> then I also don't think that they had that many meetings and had that many emotions shared. I think he had probably one awkward coffee date with a woman who's just trying to be nice to him. And she probably said, "Like, yeah, go do that. I guess if that would help you." I think get over. In reality, he talked to her more than she talked to him. I because think so too. There's a moment in the yeah. movie where he's like, "I don't even know what you do for a living," and they after been like, like two multiple- dates. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! So like, I think that's that's a little yes. bit of evidence there. That's a and great so he point. Definitely like calls her because I think the like trip to New York happened. Oh. I I think all that happened. I think he really did stalk this. So like the movie shows him, this is what's creepy about it is that he flies to New York and then he just stays in a hotel room. He doesn't have like any plan. Like, oh, I'm, it mentions that he has family in New York. So I don't know why he couldn't just stayed with like a cousin or an uncle or a parent. Maybe, I don't know, but. He's also he, just weirdly cryptic with everybody because his. Uh, yeah. His daughters are like, oh, you're going to go visit uh, Mama and Papa? And he goes, maybe. Something like that. Something like that. And they kind of like look at each other. And it goes to the next thing. And it's like. Are you going to kill people? Yeah. Or just like if you're doing like. I don't know. Think like a criminal like a little bit. 
Yeah. You know, other people, <laughs> like, this is the, I mean, this is what sociopaths do is they disregard everyone else's feelings. They just do what they think is right. And a lot of times that what is right is killing people. Or but why, people. why would you be like, why would you be like, oh, something like that? And not like, yeah, for sure. I'm going to visit my mom, papa, going to swing by. That's, That's the other thing too, I'm, is like, he could have, yeah. That's a great point is that he could have told everybody I'm just going to take a trip to New York to visit family. And he could have just finished this unsettled business in a much more private manner. Maybe just like called her and said like, hey, do you want to get coffee and catch up? And it's been so long. That would have been so appropriate. And then he could have at least like maybe, you know, shoot his shot at the coffee shop in public. I That would be fine, I guess, in this situation. But to Get a hotel room and stay there and then go to their house door. unannounced and knock on their door is wild. But I think he did that. And I think he made this movie to try to make it look like and justify and tell his story, like to tell people, no, yeah, see, what was, I was doing was I was being good about it. I was being wholesome. And it says that he and Mary remain friends to this day Just at friends. the end. And I don't believe that. I think... He has her contact in his phone, and that's what he means by friend. <laughs> I think Mary is definitely his friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Mary is too, like, the way they wrote Mary, where she has barely any personality outside of helping him the whole movie, makes me think she's a fake person. Now, her like, last there's... name's Sue. <laughs> but... He talks most of the movie. That's why I think this is just him trying to retell this, how he got his restraining order from the courts. <laughs> you see, Honor, Your Honor, this is a, a film I made to explain the whole situation perfectly clear. <laughs> I think the deep. other thing is that's strange that you were bringing up is that this is part of the Christian movie universe, the, the CMU, and... There's not a lot of evangelism in this movie. It's not very Christian. It's very much like this guy just stalking this woman. The evangelism is him stalking the woman and then at near the end being like, if you don't know Jesus, yeah. You should you should know Jesus. And so it God, it just I think the worst part of this is just the whole idea that this is supposed to legitimize his whole behavior. Because yeah. let's zoom out. This movie is pro divorce. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it like starts like, post divorce. Like, yeah. 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 Well, it's very much just like there's a whole group of divorced people, there's a divorce help group. It's, you know, talking through, you know, uh, different, it's just saying, you know, this happens to people that are not necessarily bad people that, you know, this happens to. Um, you know, not everybody who gets divorced is a bad person, stuff like that. It's kind of like, you know, that's if there's a if there's a piece, a tiny, the world's tiniest piece of gold to find in this movie is that it's the only Christian movie I know of that paints divorced people in a positive light. I could I could give a, a little bit to that. And, I, and that's the thing. That's the only thing. And so that's what I'm saying. Let's zoom out. And that is that is one thing that it does because the rest of it is horrible. The rest of it is him legitimizing stalking someone. Yeah. I Because he made a mistake with his wife that he married because he married her out of uh, lust. I think they were together. That they, they talk about being together for only like six months. Or something like that. And then they get married and they have their kids and yada, yada, yada. Um, It's like, it's bananas. It is very strange. And yeah, the the like very shitty evangelism thrown into this movie is what's unique about compared to the other ones. Because some of the other movies we've watched that are by him are very heavy, just gospel message they're just like people preaching at you for an hour yeah they're very they're very heavy-handed in some cases though those movies the central character is a christian already yeah that's that's how he's, like i feel like a lot of his are more about like christian lifestyles of like yeah and it's less about 
trying to reach out to other. It's not like a God's Not Dead kind of movie yeah. where like there you want to bring your friends to this and in the hopes of like because that's what some churches do is like they rely on certain movies to like oh I'm gonna invite my friends over and we're gonna watch this and talk about it after Bible study. Like this is not one of those. This is more like someone's going through something and they're gonna watch this. Uh, the um, yeah, the um, he has a lot of different movies out there um, on his channel. Uh, one of them is the Unexpected Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> I might have talked about it on the podcast before, <laughs> but basically, this Jewish uh, kid turns into this Christian healer. Yeah. Um, and it saves this whole synagogue essentially. <laughs> He saves the whole synagogue. <laughs> like, I don't really know another way to say it. That um, movie was way too long. Oh, that my movie gosh. Was, God, it was a Marvel movie. Um, but, like, what was missing from this movie that is normally present, and maybe it's because those movies are Donald James Parker specifically, and this wasn't. Yes. Um, and if you don't know missing, who Donald James Parker is, you need to know him. Look him up. You, you do. Um, Donald James Parker has made some gems out there. If you've Absolute. been like, boy, I've seen a bad Christian movie, you haven't. Oh, no, you haven't. Strap <laughs> 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 in, buddy. Um, because what oh. normally happens with those is there is a culture topic that they are going to address. There's a tertiary one with Unexpected Bar Mitzvah. It was Harry Potter with... Um, <laughs> With Gramps uh, goes to college. Gramps goes to college. It was, about it, was, it was fluoride. Fluoride in the water. <laughs> fluoride in the water. Um, and so there's oh. always there's always yeah. that tertiary topic, and for here that that just there there wasn't that. Moment. No, this one was trying to be, I think, more of a romantic movie. I think. Yeah. I think this guy saw Fireproof because I think Fireproof was like the year before this. I want to say yeah, maybe like 2006 or seven. So I think he saw Fireproof and was like, I'm going to do one, but about divorced people. And it's going to yeah, pop I'm gonna off. Do, I'm going to get yeah. a book deal out of it. Yeah, People are going to know gonna, my name <laughs> and he, what I did to that lady. <laughs> he, he's not going to be a fireman. He's going to be a pencil pusher in an office that sells things. We don't even know what he really does. No, like you know He works at a very generic is. office building, he and was, everyone just says, like, you got that big sale, didn't you? He's like, I sure did. Got the I big sure sale. Big sale. Super Good thing that big it. sale worked through so you can get that <laughs> commission check for sales. Which is why earlier when I was just like his secretary, I guess. I don't know what the fuck her job is. I think she was his boss. It could have been. <laughs> we don't I just know. Never, I never saw her at a desk. The women don't get any lines in these movies. They just... They are there to just quite literally support Dave Cristiano's goals the whole yeah. movie. Everyone is. They're props. Yes. Yeah. Women are props in these movies. <laughs> they absolutely are. Yeah. It uh I, I've noticed too that he reuses the same actors for almost all his movies. So yeah. you kind of do have this like uh I don't know, a small universe of like crappy Christian actor movies. So you kind of recognize people. If you watch enough of these, like we have, you start seeing the same faces over and over. But uh, this one was very different. Katie's mom and Katie have this joke about like how there there are only seven British actors, (laughs) and like they all show up in everything. You know? Yeah. Um, They're like seven British actors. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I can't name any off the top of the dome. Yeah. Um, but they like they show up in like Downton Abbey, Harry Potter, oh, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, with this universe is very much there are seven Christian actors. Yeah. Seven mildly attractive to not attractive Christians. Yeah, mildly is generous. <laughs> I I live for these movies though. I. I, I, it's something about the earnestness and the desperation of like, you have to get a Christian message across. Like, because in this culture, I, I lived and breathed this type of culture for a little bit where it was like, 
nothing's legitimate unless you absolutely make some kind of evangelistic effort. Like if you don't yeah. try to evangelize when you're doing something, especially like an art, you are not doing it for the glory of God. So this movie could have, if you take out all the evangelism part of it, it would be the same movie. Like it doesn't add anything yeah. to it. It just makes a couple awkward conversations. And that's what I was about to ask is like with this Christian movie that we watched, this, I think, is the first one that we maybe have watched that wasn't bad just because of the Christian overtones. This one had the least amount of just like that monologues that yeah. were just preaching at you. Like That didn't help or hurt it whatsoever. I will say that like, was refreshing about this movie is that it didn't have these su- yeah super long, like, let me explain to you what God did for you right here and now. Like, didn't really have that. Uh, it's more than I'm sorry. Cover-up. I'm very much this is so bad and it's so bad podcasting, but like oh, no. I, I'm comparing the movies in my brain of that and Unexpected Bar Mitzvah because there's a scene in the Unexpected Bar Mitzvah where the kid heals uh one person and the guy's like, Can you can you heal Jenny? She's in a wheelchair, and he's like, I can try, and then the guy runs away. And has these squeaky shoes known to man that they did not edit out whatsoever. He just runs away in what could be the equivalent of clown shoes, ladies and gentlemen. I think we repeated that scene like umpteen times at night. But for the record, the, the a difference between these movies, between this one we watched and the who we've been talking, the Donald Parker guy. One that the production value is so different. One's like the Donald Parker ones are filmed on someone's phone. And <laughs> they, they really are. I'm not exaggerating. Like they are filmed on a they're phone. Filmed in, I will say they're filmed on someone's phone. There are usually more locations in which they are filmed. That is true. He has a little so bit more like spice for like, let's make yeah. it exciting. Like he had like a small car chase and like people die and like get healed. It's like he tries to make yeah. it somewhat exciting for a movie, but, um, the audio in his movies, not to get like a huge nerd on right now, but the audio is so comically bad. I, I'm not exaggerating where <laughs> there will be dumb. scenes where the air conditioning is so loud. You can barely hear the. It'll be like. And then they're just like, also, let's just keep that scene. We'll just keep it. And then there's obviously like, well, we're in a cafeteria, so we should have other people making noise. And so people will be talking, but then you'll also hear like. What'd you think of the game last night? Yeah. <laughs> and that's been like dubbed over the scene. And so you, your ears are trying to do like mental chess to figure out what the fuck is going or on. Or it's in the, the scene. opposite where they are go walking into like a baseball stadium and it's like quiet, like a, just church mice are in there. I yeah. mean, it's like, church, yeah, there's no, yeah, the audio in those movies cracks me up. The, I mean, everything is. The best Poor part quality. about the, the, the Donald James Parker is his character is always good at everything. Oh, his character is always amazing at everything. He was like, but they can never show it. That's the other thing. No, because um, he like played. He was he went back to Gramps college. Gramps goes to college. Yeah, Gramps goes to college. I would highly recommend it if you have yes. just an evening by yourself, please, or with a loved one. Get in the bathtub. Sit down. Oh my God. Light a few candles. Put on that movie. Crack open a beer, pour some wine. I really want to watch this movie again, honestly. Yeah. Um, It's very bad. It deserves a rewatch because some of it comes out of nowhere. Um, There's a scene where this professor is flirting with him and she takes off her jacket and he puts it back on her and is just like, Are you trying to tempt me, you Jezebel? (laughs) Like, it's so. He thinks everybody is trying to get in his pants. He is. Oh, yeah. He thinks everybody's ageist or trying to get his like is is so. There's such a disconnect from reality. Um, but the thing that I was uh, getting at about him being good, he's good at chess. He's an engineer, yada yada. But my, uh, I think one of my favorite scenes is how he plays tennis in the movie, and they don't show him playing tennis. They just no. show his friends watching Reacting. him play tennis and talking about him playing tennis. And wow, he's really he good. Is. Wow, get him, Gramps. Go, Gramps. He always has like a Under Armour on too. Like at the the end scene, there's like he's walking through. God. It's supposed to be the university like 
exit, but it's just like a church hallway, like a hundred percent. It's it's the it's it's the like fellowship hall, or it's and what like I love is like it's supposed office. to be this like hero send off because he's leaving college. He did what <laughs> like he came to do. Eight people. But, well, one, it's like eight people, and like clearly none of them went to co- like they're like all in their forties and like fifties, and there's a couple people like that are actually college age, but the rest are like the church secretary and like the the cook. Um, this movie opens with, is it his buddy or is it Gramps who is just a timid as pastor, like working it, out in the gym? Yeah. Yeah. But one of them is just doing bicep curls for like yeah. 30 minutes. Yep. It's <laughs> like, you had to show off the muscles in the beginning. It is so, and that's to, the whole thing. Like, yeah. So, uh, sorry, we like got off on Gramps. No, I was just going to tie this back to me and you and us yeah. and forever is these movies are made by absolute narcissists that think everything they do is good, perfect, excellent. Yeah. Cause I think this Dave Christian, it's a different breed of narcissism, Yeah, but I think he's still stuck in this universe of like, I didn't do anything wrong. I was always doing the right thing. Blah, 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 blah. And, well, and, and like historically, like people who think that like, that's, they don't have anybody who's telling them, no, you're bad at this. <laughs> like there's no one who's like, Hey, I don't think you're actually good at this because uh, one of the worst movies of all time, Manos, The Hands of Fate, was oh. made on a bet. No and kidding, it, I didn't know that. it was really made on a bet because the guy was like, I, I bet that I could make a movie and it could be a Hollywood success. <laughs> and he made it and it ended up being, as history told. <laughs> one of the worst movies. One of the worst movies of all time. Oh, I love that movie. One person on that film, I think, worked on another movie like as a grip. like that's, And then they didn't do anything ever again. And so like, that's the same thing here where it's these people, they just, they walked away from this project and were like, I knocked it out of the park. Yeah. This guy is still active. He posts like every, I don't know how often, but it's like recent as of like months ago. The difference between Manos, the hands of fate and me, you and us forever is that the director of me, you and us forever, the producer, the writer, everything like that. Hmm will say the reason that it's not successful oh, God. is because, you know, of people hate know, Christians, people hate Christians. America's yep. not a Christian nation, yada, yada, yada. Like our values are left behind different things like that. When in reality you made a shit movie. One thing I'm so fascinated by is this has 4.3 million views on YouTube. So it's, Got a lot of heft to it, like online. A lot of people have seen it. And I would think a lot of these people are are like us and watching this and going, what the hell is this? I love it. But I go through the comments and there are the most wholesome, heart-touching, just This saved my marriage. (laughs) It's unreal. People are like inspired by this movie. And I could see if it was like a fireproof movie. Because I legit think that movie, for as hilarious as it is, I understand why people love it. Because it's just, yeah, you know, because it's, it's I a actually, movie about marriage yeah. getting stronger, you know. And, and that's that's the difference between these two movies is I understand what the message of Fireproof is supposed yeah. to be. Work it out. That's basically yeah. the whole whole premise of like, it, it, like the fireman stuff kind of aside, the like yeah. marriage part of it is just like don't give up. Yes. Um. And but with this one, like don't give up is a bad message for this. Yeah, movie. I was like, this one people are screaming, please give up on please this idea. Give up. Like, go. Yeah. Wait, like, like, I don't understand what the theme of this movie is supposed to be. I don't know either, honestly. Cause like, am I supposed to walk away thinking maybe I should shoot my shot with my high school crush? Or is it saying yeah. like only shoot my shot if I'm gonna evangelize to somebody? Or is it saying like God's going to give you somebody in your life that's, I think what he's trying to hint at was like the Carla, whatever her name is. I'm so sorry, the actress that actually did the movie, but the script stunk and we don't know your name. <laughs> yeah, I had it. I, I think know. it was Carla. It's Carla, like, it's Carla, okay. it's Carla. But Carla, um, like, is it trying to say that you, know, you could you could find your own Carla if you just are, I don't know, God's going to 
put them in your life for you and at least, you know, in hidden ways like that. I have no idea. But like, like you mentioned, the message is not clear. And so I'm surprised no. that people are watching this movie and are walking away like, like this top comment right here. After 30 years in a bad marriage, I reunite with my first love who had been divorced for almost 20 years. We flew to Paris, France and exchanged our wedding vows atop the Eiffel Tower. The day after my divorce was finalized with no looking back, we've been married for 21 years now, happily ever after. That sounds like a better movie, first of all, than this movie. But also, this per- that person who wrote that is at least like 69. Yeah, they look a little <laughs> older. And also, the math is mathing there. Yeah. But like all these comments, this one hit home for me. This was yet another, <laughs> yet another good movie from David Cristiano. He has a way of creating inspirational movies that feel and look natural. No, they I'd don't say that. No, they do. Natural people <laughs> do not act like this at all. These are aliens walking his, among us. <laughs> his, the way he talks to his daughters is so creepy, unnatural. And yes, it's it's a hard watch. This movie. They're it's, just like, Dad, you're just the smartest and the hottest uh, and the best and. You're just uh, you're you're the best at everything, and you're like, <laughs> you know, you just dick is probably a mile down. long. Oh dad. my god! Like, oh Jesus! <laughs> there it is. I, it's it's every like, and that's I think that's another thing that I hate about these Christian movies is that when when there's a teenage girl and a father, the dialogue between them is he so makes it too playful and flirty like every time he does so bad father daughter acting duos it's like no one like goes back and watches the film and goes like hmm maybe we should like take another another take on this scene here you know like that's the thing these movies these movies do no second draft they do no No. second draft of the script they do no second takes (laughs) it is we have everybody Charla's got to be at her shift. They filmed this in a weekend. That's <laughs> like, for sure. It is. We can't. We can't wait on good weather. <laughs> I this movie is so. Uh, I I love it for how weird and bizarre it is compared to the other Christian movies we've watched. Though, like it, it's it's yeah. stalker movie. Uh, this, Evan, give yeah, me your this, okay. your final thoughts here. This might be the worst Christian movie we've seen. Yeah, it, it was on a different level. Like it, in 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 purely because I walked away from Gramps Goes to College knowing what that movie was about. I didn't yeah. agree with it. I didn't like it. I thought it was horrible. But like I could I could tell you that was about the the whole message that I was supposed to take away from it is that college is too liberal for Christians. They've abandoned our values. Yada yada yada. Um, evolution is fake. Yeah, it was in the fake. tap water. Unexpected bar mitzvah was about how you know Jewish people worship the book too much and that they need to be uh, evangelized to, and that Harry Potter is wrong, and that Harry like, Potter is evil like, and wrong. Um, I like I could take away concrete things. This I have no fucking clue what I'm supposed to take away from it. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost after Help. this one. <laughs> Help. <laughs> yeah, my last takeaway on this is it was one of the more unique ones we've watched from this whole troop of movies. Um, I, I can't get over how insane of, of a decision that is. And, and how they... This is the thing that blows my damn mind. The, the, the thing that blows my damn mind is you're watching this movie and you're like, okay, like he's going further with the decision now. He's going further with the decision now. He's going for, yeah. This isn't a documentary. This is a movie. You could well, have at yeah. any point been like, and then he didn't make the decision. He went home. Like you didn't have to write this. That's what I think is like, that's what all this ties in is that because it's based on a true story. I mean, that was like an M night Shyamalan ending for me when that flash. Oh my the end, God. The, maybe the greatest twist. in cinema. I was like, Oh, <laughs> this was a loosely based. I thought it was just like a silly made up Christian scenario movie, which he just got wrong. But I really think this guy 
got on a plane and went to his ex-girlfriend's house after not seeing each other for 30 years and just walked into her house and made her feel uncomfortable. And then he is trying to justify it in this movie. And I think someone got either physically hurt or murdered in the real world. And it was David Cristiano's <laughs> fault. <laughs> they talk about the greatest twists in cinema. And they talk about Rosebud. Yeah. They talk about uh, Bruce Willis being Shutter dead Island. at the end of six. Yeah. yeah Shutter yeah. Island. They talk about um, Fight Club. Yeah. Among those conversations deserves Absolutely. to be that Dave Cristiano really went to Mary's house. He went to her house in his 96 Buick. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I forgot about the damn Buick. <laughs> With dirty rims and tires. <laughs> It's the dirtiest car they could have found. You couldn't even it, get like I'm not I'm not a big car snob. Like something had to like roll up something. But it's like it looks like just some piece of shit. Like clearly someone's just beater car. A to they B didn't even car. they didn't run it through a car wash before they took the no, shot. It's like there's like bird boom on the side. of it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like it's fine. It'll, you can't see it on the TV anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was one for the ages, Evan. We're going to have to add some more to the list. But for all you listeners out there, Christian movies, we're subscribed. The Unblessed Podcast is subscribed to on YouTube, and I I can't get enough of it. There's enough movies to last you truly a lifetime on the channel, yeah. which is the best gift of all, because you can never run out of these silly, stupid movies. Um but yeah, that that's all I got, I think, for this episode and this movie. So I think I've beat this one to death. <laughs> so yeah, same. It has, by the way, 71 one-star ratings on IMDb. Oh. Well, Dad R's in there as well. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. Again, that was me and us. Me, us, me, me and, and you. Us. Us. Me and- me, me and you, you. me, <laughs> me and them, and you forever. Me and, and you, us, us forever. Um, we really appreciate you listening. You can find us on social media at Unblessed Podcast or at Unblessed Pod. Um, we really appreciate it. You can also go to our website, unblessedpodcast.com. Um, but without further ado, thank you very much for listening. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And when faced with the question of whether or not you should go to your long lost first love's house, always tell everybody you're going to do it and then do it. <laughs> always say in complete detail and spe- specificity, <laughs> specificity, and nominee is an alibi. 